0: Welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Ernest. Each episode is designed for administrators, teachers, and others in the international school world to be able to share stories, experiences, and innovative ideas that are taking place around the world. Additionally, I hope to be able to share some personal stories of success and some struggles that I've faced along the way. From time to time, I hope to have some special guests who will also be able to share their stories My goal for each episode is to create an ongoing discussion about how we, as educators, can create meaningful growth experiences for international school communities. The list for each episode will consist of three parts, the warm-up, the main event, and the cool-down. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. all right team bring it in glad you're here it's time to do the warm-up we're now two months into awareness about coronavirus more and more governments and schools around the world are making the decision to shut down classes for a period of time with the hope that the spread of the virus becomes more and more limited some schools have implemented online learning for a couple of weeks now some are just now entering into that platform and yet other schools are starting to consider what online learning might look like for their own needs a couple of weeks ago we had a chat with a secondary teacher who was just starting this process and today we're going to engage with some elementary teachers who are also parents of elementary students this conversation will give us a completely different perspective one from the teacher but then also one from a parent. Let's go for it. Hey, it's game time. This is what you came here for. This is the main event. Hey team, welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast. Today we have a bonus episode with Russell and Jessica Phillips. Uh, I met Russell and Jessica about 10 years ago whenever I was starting my international education journey. Uh, I was supposed to be going to South Korea and through some circumstances beyond my control and beyond the school's control, um, I wound up finding myself in Afghanistan. But uh, even throughout the 10 years, even though I've never met, Russell and Jessica in person. We've kind of uh, stayed in contact through Facebook and other things from time to time. Um, So Russell, Jessica, welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast.
1: Thanks. We're happy to be here.
0: Yeah, this is fun. Um, I I hate we're coming together under such uh, circumstances, but our our focus today is going to be on two things. One, uh, you being an elementary teacher um, and how that works for you through uh, online education. Um, and then second, you're both parents of students who are doing their own online education. And, and what has been uh, some struggles for you and what, what's working? Um, how have you found success? Um, we'll kind of jump into uh, a lot of those questions. But before we do that, um, from your time in South Korea 10 years ago, can you tell us uh, where you've been, what you've been doing, uh, how you've grown in your uh, leading uh,
2: international students journey? Sure. Uh, Well, we spent two years at the uh, Pyeongtaek International Christian School in uh, Pyeongtaek, South Korea. And from there, we actually took a couple years off of teaching to to work in the Philippines with uh, children's ministry there. And then back into Virginia public schools for two years. And then we spent two years in Abuja, Nigeria at the American International School of Abuja. And I think that's where... um, you know, the leadership aspect of our journey kind of started um, where we had uh, more hands-on experience with technology. I started my master's in uh, administration there. uh, And we spent two years there and then moved on to our current school, which is the American International School of Guangzhou, where we've actually both had a chance to be team leaders. And I'm on the grade four team now, uh, but was in grade five for three years. And um, Jess has been the first grade team leader for this is now the third third year of that.
1: And I also have my um, technology specialist certification as well that I just finished up.
0: so it's uh it's interesting how uh, you mentioned being in Abuja, you kind of started this technology journey, and then you've also kind of picked up some uh, certifications and some things along the way. Uh, and it's kind of handy at this point that you're actually using some of those things and uh, earlier in a in a conversation, you mentioned how uh, you're kind of being a leader among your staff, that you have some of these certifications, you have some of these skills, um, and you're able to share some of that with your your staff that you're working with now.
1: Absolutely. It's been very, very helpful. Both Russell and I are kind of like the, let's jump in and just start trying to figure things out all, all on our own anyways. So we've been doing a lot of teacher one-on-one help and training and doing specific calls with them to really get them started and help troubleshoot along the way. Mm.
0: Um, So before we kind of get into some of your uh, struggles and success, um, can you talk about like the system that your school has set up for online learning? Are you um, asynchronous? Do you have to have like office hours? How do students reach out to you? Like, what are the expectations of you as a teacher?
1: Right now, we have two different ways we're delivering instruction. Um, The first way is through Seesaw, and um, it's a platform that a lot of schools use right now um, as a student journal, and it has been a great resource for us to implement our online learning immediately and effectively, like right away. So um, we basically can post assignments daily for kids to do their work on there. Um, And then we check assignments and get that done. Along that as well, we also have to do um, two 30-minute Zoom face-to-face sessions per week with our classrooms.
0: And and, uh, is that reasonable at this point, like being able to do that? I I mean, uh, number one, where are you in the world in relation to your school? I I think that's a big question. Um, And then maybe another thing is where do you find most of your students at this point? um, in the past month, I I would imagine some people have moved around, including yourself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When when we started all this, we were in Vietnam on Chinese new year break. And at that point, that's when we started the online learning. And I I think we had the most spread worldwide of where people were. And as that uh, break kind of came to an end, people settled back into where they were going to end up. Uh, For us, that's in Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, um i'd say most of our students now are back in china or south korea i think that's the heaviest uh, in, in that southeast area. asia southeast around asia. that area um and those that uh, we have had a number of kids that have landed back in america or australia and those those kids tend to uh, tended to go back into public school uh, cuz their parents prefer the the face to face interaction sure. if they have that option and so th- for those kids they're exempt from from uh, they've kind of uh, unenrolled temporarily from our school to be able to to uh, go through the public school. Okay. So, most of our active students are in China, Korea, Japan, th- those areas.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, these two uh, 30 minute face to face that you have with your students, um, is it just an agreed upon time and you wind up waking up at like 1 a.m. and that just happens to be a time that's going to be for the rest of the kids? Or uh, how do you deal with that being in Pennsylvania and most of your kids being in Eastern Asia?
1: So thankfully we are about 13 hours difference. Okay. So the times that we have to actually be doing these calls are either late at night for us, but not too late, like around eight or 9 p.m. at night and then around seven or eight in the morning. Okay. Um, and the school asked us to offer a few, like two, the sessions at two different times to get those kids that may be elsewhere in the world that w- could possibly work for all.
0: Sure. Um, So you mentioned Seesaw, and and I want to make kind of a comparison here between uh, being a middle school or a high school teacher in this context versus being an elementary school teacher in this context. I would imagine they have completely different challenges. Um, What what have been some of these challenges just from a technology standpoint with working with uh, lower and upper elementary students?
2: Uh, well, first of all, our middle school and high school don't use Seesaw. They're mostly on Microsoft Teams. We we have the Office three hundred and sixty five suite for all of our mm. all of our kids, and so they're working on Teams. And I, but I think that they're still encountering the same challenges that we are, which is um, our our Chinese students, our our kids that are in China now, have. Um, remarkably low internet speeds. Um, and that's due to censorship. That's due to, you know, everybody's inside right now. So everybody's got nothing else to do, but be on the internet. Sure. Uh, all the Chinese public schools have moved to online learning, uh, and their system is just completely bogged down. Um, so the biggest, the biggest thing is we want to be able to deliver instruction through video instead of people just having to read directions off a page sure. and that makes things have to load faster or load slower. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and it's really bogging things down. So we've we found some workarounds for that, but that's been the biggest trouble.
0: Um, any other challenges as far as uh, applications? I know you mentioned, um, you know, like Chinese censorship um, and not just the internet speed, but just like applications that you really want to use or that you have even used in the past that you were not able to use now.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of things that um, we would like to to have our kids be able to do specific research on or um, watch particular videos on YouTube, Um, but because of the fact that they're in China, we are unable to use those particular tools. Russell can probably speak to maybe a few more.
2: Yeah, some of the, like, Ed Puzzle, you know, we want to make Mm -hmm. interactive lessons or uh, Nearpod. Some of these things that we could use in our classroom, we just... You know, we, we try to vet them first in China with some, some of our local staff that are still there. And we find out whether or not it's loading on a number of different kinds of devices and, you know, through, through phone internet, through Wi-Fi. And if it's not working for one thing, then we kind of can't use it because we, sure. we can't control what students can and can't use. So Sure.
0: Uh, so you mentioned uh, Seesaw being something that is a success. What, what are some other things that have been working for you um, Other than just the face-to-face with students and Seesaw, what are some things that you would say, ah, this is my go-to app, or this is definitely how I'm reaching kids at this point?
2: Yeah, uh, communication with parents has been really important because especially for the kids that that we're working with, first first graders and fourth graders, um, to be able to get them the lesson videos has been challenging because even through Seesaw, sometimes it's not loading, Mm. but WeChat is... um, is the go-to way to get everything out to the kids. It's kind of our, our safety net where we put everything on Seesaw. Uh, we even may put some links in, uh, some people are doing like Youku, which is kind of like the Chinese version of YouTube. And, uh, but really we send it all out through WeChat as well. And that way we know they can get it. Because for some reason, I think it, it, it works with the Chinese government so well that they, they don't really block things um, it's able to get through. So that's been our biggest success.
0: Okay. Um, The the last question I want to kind of touch on was uh, the idea of online learning is very different than in classroom learning, especially like supporting kids. And I know that in my particular classroom, I can give an assessment or I can give some learning experience to kids. And I know how long that's going to take in my classroom. But during the online platform or our kids being away from me and doing that in their own uh, the timing of those things gets very difficult. How how have you managed with not just completely overloading students with work, or or providing students with an appropriate amount of work that a is engaging and they're able to kind of grow as students, but then b um, isn't just overwhelming for them.
1: So we create um, video lesson assignments using an app called Explain Edu, mm. and then we post those lessons, which are usually between like five and eight minutes long. And then we asked them to do a simple task. Um, At first, we were giving um, four lessons per day um, for each of the core content areas, reading, writing, math, and then science and social studies together. Um, After a week, we realized that because of the slow internet and because of just doing things from home is just a very different atmosphere. Um, Our school, we asked our parents and our classes, and our school sent out surveys, and since we found it was taking so long, we all decided to kind of cut back a little bit um, to help both us as teachers, because we were feeling very overwhelmed, as well as the parents who were also feeling super overwhelmed. So now, we've kind of got it down to where the kids are really only completing about two particular assignments a day, and then we are giving feedback um, on every one of the assignments that are completed.
2: And uh, for fourth grade, I know that we we give them a little bit more because they're a little more independent and able to do more. I think in the middle and high school, um, kids probably have a little bit higher workload even than fourth grade. But um, it, it's really been a process of figuring out what's manageable with parents because we re- really have to pay attention to that demographic more than ever because they're helping to manage things where they normally wouldn't have to. Uh, we also have, uh, from the very beginning, we've had some guidelines for how how long we should try to plan for things to take in a day. Um, I know in, in fourth grade, it was around three hours in a day and then they can take their own breaks and things like that. Um, it's just been a matter of trying to figure out <laughs> how, how much you can give that actually matches up with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. And we've been having constant parent communication, um, to help make sure that what we are giving isn't too little and isn't too much.
0: Um, also, to kind of uh, help this workload for you as teachers, um, one of the things you mentioned previously was that you have teaching teams. Um, can you talk maybe about how your teaching team is sorting
2: out the, the workload for uh, online learning? I think most teams are handling it in a pretty similar way. We have four classes per grade and there are four kind of main content areas. Um, math, reading, writing, and, and then uh, the science social studies aspect or unit of inquiry, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so each teacher kind of takes on one subject area and, and provides all the lessons. And then we share those lessons amongst the team. And then we can uh, each assign them and everybody kind of assesses their own work, no matter what, you know, so that we all assess our own students. But I think that has, uh, if without that, this would be completely unmanageable, I think. Sure. Yes,
1: absolutely. And it's been also interesting because it's given us a, a better perspective on who our colleagues are as educators, because we've gotten to see a lot of exactly how they teach. It's been really eye-opening and really like the best professional development I've had.
0: And one, one thing I wanted to kind of ask out of that structure is, is this a common collaboration that teaching teams have, or this is a collaboration that's new just because of this experience?
2: I know there are teaching teams that handle certain things or they, they, you know, one person may have a strength in language arts and and provides more. I don't know that in our school anybody does it this way 100%. I know in other schools people have said that they do that, but uh, I think this is fairly new because of this. I think generally we all kind of try to contribute equally to every subject uh, when we're in the classroom.
1: Yeah, we usually share ideas amongst all four subject areas and then kind of take it in our own particular teaching style or way that we want with the content. Um, yeah, but this has made it so we're really just a little bit different in that way.
0: Perfect. Uh, so Russell and Jessica, I want to take a quick break. Um, and whenever we come back from the break, I want to jump more into your, your parent journey uh, with online learning and, and what you've learned just from a parent standpoint. Uh, So if you don't mind, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey team, it's halftime. And I want to say that I am excited that you're taking time to join us on the Leading International School Teams podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on the web at leadinginternationalschoolteams.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into the second half. Hey team, welcome back. Um, We're continuing to talk with Russell and Jessica Phillips about their journey with online education, and we've kind of touched on the challenges of being uh, an elementary teacher in this context and also some of the ways that they found success with their collaborative teams. But uh, one other aspect of online learning is from the parent standpoint, and along with being elementary educators, they have elementary students um, who have been going through online learning and uh, imagine having a double load because you're not only teaching your classes, but then you're also having to help your kids uh, with with some online success. So I want to give Russell and Jessica a chance to just talk about um, how is it that you were able to balance the work that you needed to do as a teacher and the work that you needed to do supporting your students with their work?
1: So to start off, I'll just tell you a little bit. the age of our kids. So we have a fourth grader, a second grader, and a kindergartner. Okay, And they are very different learners as well as um, in very different grade levels. Um, So it was very interesting um, not only teaching our own students, but then getting to teach our own children as well. Um, We had to balance, we started off in a couple of different ways
2: where... You say interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting <laughs> is not the way I would put it. I think, I think maddening is it, the way. Yes, to say, if we could be
1: so um, bold and honest about it.
2: <laughs> uh, and sorry to interrupt, but I, I think the reason being we, you know, managing your own classroom of twenty kids and man- managing learning how to do online teaching um, at the same time, trying to get your three kids to to do their work. Uh, in a place that's not school from people that are you know we're not their teachers at school so they don't think they have to listen to us when it comes to education it's all very challenging and at the beginning of the journey especially when everybody's on a steep learning curve uh, it made for some very frustrating days
1: absolutely there were a lot of tears from both sides but (laughs) we just tried to push through every day to get as much done as we possibly could there were a lot of early mornings and late nights on our part, as parents, um, we usually spent about 8 a.m. till around 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock p.m. working with our three kids, just getting done with the work that they needed to do. And then from about 2 p.m. till um, 7 or 8 o'clock, we were working ourselves, just trying to get all of our stuff done then.
0: And and like you said, those make for really long days. And And having having the ability to set up a structure with this unbelievable steep learning curve that Russell mentioned um, would have been maddening and would have been frustrating, but also very important to kind of have those systems uh, in place to say, you know, in the morning, all right, we're going to sort you out in the afternoon. We're going to do my work. Um, Other than uh, just the timing aspect and the difference aspect of it, what, what were some other things that you heard from your children? What are some things that they voiced about their struggles with online learning?
2: Uh, at at first, you know, we mentioned that learning curve and it's a learning curve for all of our teachers in our school as well. Um, and we had a unique perspective because we were able to see the work, the kinds of lessons that were coming in from other classrooms and other grade levels and, you know, and then able to take that and look at our own, but. But, you know, a lot of what came out at first was text-based lessons, you know, people were not getting into video lessons at first. And our kids were having to read through lessons to understand what was happening and then, you know, output from that. And that can be very difficult, um, especially for our kids that are, you know, two of our children are fairly, uh, are a lot less independent. And so we had to kind of sit with them one-on-one. But with two of us and three of them, that was very difficult. So they, they would say stuff like, this is too hard. I don't understand what to do. Mm. Um, you know, this, the, the kind of lesson, they're not used to being taught in that way. So um, it, it was just very new and difficult for them in that regard.
1: Yeah. Or they would often say things like, this isn't fun anymore. I want to try to make it fun. So um, after that, um, we found that it actually impacted us as teachers ourselves where we started trying to to change some of the things that we were doing as a result, just to try to, you know, seeing the struggles that our kids were having kind of made us make changes ourselves. Sure.
0: Um, I, I know for me, uh, I struggle to work at home. Like if, if I ever need to kind of get work done, uh, I, I can't just sit down on my sofa. I can't just like say, I'm going to get this done at my dining room table. I have to leave home to do that just because there's so many distractions. and. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you see the same thing with your kids, do you see the same thing with yourself? It's like, Oh, I'm, I'll just watch sports center while I'm working on this. And then I find myself watching sports center the whole time and not working. Uh, do you have those same things with yourself and with your kids?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Jess can work at home. She can work through a hurricane, but I, <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a hard time focusing, you know, if, if there's a spider on the wall. So I I know it was really difficult for me. And at one point my oldest, um, I sat down and said, listen, you're in school right now. You have to do your work. And she said, no, we're still on vacation. And so she didn't, she, it was really hard for them to have a mindset shift of school when we're still, you know, Grandpa and grandma's house sitting there eating breakfast cereal while they're doing their reading So we we had to set up some spots in the house at one point for you know You're gonna do your work over here in this room You're gonna go up in the room to do your reading and you're gonna stay here and you know Mom's gonna work with you dad's gonna work with you for a while and you have to do this part independently Uh, And it was it was really a dance to try to get them in that mindset. Mm. Absolutely Uh,
0: Jessica you you mentioned this just a moment ago Um, things that you've learned as a teacher Uh, just through being a parent that now you've put into your classrooms? You mentioned the idea of kind of making lessons more fun. Uh, What are some other things that you would say that you've taken just from being a parent that now you're implementing uh, into your teaching practice?
1: So something that um, I started doing in my room is every Friday um, is basically a day of no new teaching and learning but instead a day for revision and reflection. So I, instead of posting new lessons, our team has decided that our kids have to go back and look at all of their other work and then make comments to um, bring that social interaction with their peers. They're not quite getting because they're isolated at their homes right now. Um, So that, that impetus of, hey kids, today go off and comment on five different friends work that you mm-hmm. see and then answer any comments that you have been given. Um, another thing that both of us have actually started doing is we've also started implementing what we call a fun Friday activity where we also make a, pom- as well as with the revision and reflection, we do one activity that is really just based on getting the kids to do some kind of fun um, or being active in some way. Like we had an exercise fun Friday. I just recently did a mindfulness fun Friday. Um, Russell just made a fortune Friday where the kids had to come up with a fortune cookie, um, slogan or a fort Friday where we showed the kids a video of us building a fun fort in our house. And then their assignment was to go off and build a fort with your family because doing online learning is hard. And we just wanted to find a way to get these kids to really think of it as engaging and trying to get parents involved in less of a teacher kind of way, but more of a, Hey, I'm also your parent. Let's have fun together kind of way. Sure. I think,
2: and I, I think for me, um, I, in the classroom I, I tend to move really fast. I, I talk fast. Um, and we've got a high EAL population mm. and I think a lot of those kids can be sped over. And as a parent, seeing the lessons that were coming in from my you know, native English speaking, even high level um, daughter, having trouble with that made me think about how clear and concise I need to be with my instruction, sure. how I need to not just, you know, in, you know teach something new, but teach them how to use the, um, the tool that they're using and everything and, and make things really explicit. Because even if they do have parents at home that could be helping, you know, a lot of the parents are have an even lower English level than the kids do. So, um, whereas we can differentiate really well in a classroom, these video lessons have to really be catered to, um, to the kids with the highest needs, uh, which, um, makes you slow down. It makes you really Mm. be careful about what kinds of things you you say and point out in your lessons.
0: Uh, I want to jump into one last question as, um, uh, coronavirus continues to spread and more and more countries are kind of making decisions about uh, how they're doing large group gatherings or school or whatever. Uh, I know some schools in Thailand just now are going on this 14-day quarantine. Um, what What are some messages that you have for teachers uh, whose schools might be facing this on the horizon? What's, what's one takeaway that you would want to say to any teacher um, prior to being in this situation?
2: Well, it's, uh, it's always good to be prepared in advance. There are tons of resources and people out there on Twitter and, and other places talking about um, ways to, to do online learning, ways to deliver instruction. And if I was, if we had the opportunity to go back in time and have all those resources at our fingertips and kind of prepare ourselves and look at how to do video lessons before this, um, I would be doing that. I, I would be contacting um you know other schools that that are in the process now and saying hey what should we um you know how can we prepare i would get together with my teaching team and we would we'd plan out um you know who's doing what ahead of time uh if i was an administrator i'd really want to be thinking about um you know uh, communication and clear communication with uh with parents and things like this uh there's just so much to think about it's impossible to be completely prepared but i would I'd get out there and look at the resources available um, amongst the the online PLC at this point.
0: And and I would say that's a a big benefit to those of us who are still having regular school, um, to have already had a month of people in this. Um, Many of us are having conversations with colleagues and friends around the world who are definitely displaced and in a similar situation as you are. Um, And gathering those resources of what's working, uh, I found that as a benefit, And our school's not even discussing the idea of uh, closing at this point Um, but I think that's right Uh, those who are not in this situation trying to find a way to be prepared because whether it's this situation or another situation down the line uh, there's a great chance that we'll be in some sort of online learning format for whatever reason around the world
1: absolutely plus it wouldn't even be bad just to get some of that knowledge under your belt, just as the future of education changes every day, you never know what it could look like in the future.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, Russell and uh, Jessica, I have really enjoyed catching up. Uh, it's been a long time since we've actually talked on the phone, um, and kind of hearing a little bit about your journey and your, your current areas of success. Um, for me, uh, it's been a benefit and I hope uh, you've also enjoyed joining the podcast
1: absolutely
2: thanks Caleb it's been really uh, good to be on absolutely
0: and, it's been great to maybe, catch up yep and we'll continue to have this conversation and we just uh, we we won't wait 10 years before we do it again how about that <laughs> I hope not
1: <laughs> that sounds like a great idea
0: all right team thanks for joining the podcast um, we'll now move to the cool down and I'll provide my reflection see you next time hey team great work out there today now What can we take away? What can we learn from this experience? What can we use from this podcast? Let's do the cool down. Russell and Jessica are not the only teachers who are facilitating online learning for students and their own children. Many teachers in the international world are trying to find some balance between home and work. For those of you who have experienced success over the past couple of weeks, thank you for sharing your stories, and please continue to share. I have learned a lot from you. For those of us who have not yet started this process, it's wise for us to start to prepare. More and more technologies are becoming available for free or for a discounted price in order to help support students. Test applications with your students develop collaborative plans with your teaching teams it's also important to partner with your parents in order to know how to best support kids with online learning even though this virus has caused major disruptions to what many of us refer to as school i am grateful for the network that all of us belong to where we can continue to share resources with one another now more than ever it's important to rely on these networks and rely on each other. Until next time, thank you for joining the Leading International School Teams podcast. Thanks for listening to Leading International School Teams podcast. Remember to like, share, and follow the list on Twitter and Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends. If you would like to reach out or comment or give feedback on the show, email me at michaelcalebernest at gmail.com. Until next time, keep leading.